0: that every Christian faces. And I up that, uh, that you let other people know that we're going through this series on Wednesdays. We are only on our third test, so we have six more to go. We have gone through the test. The first one was the test of the wilderness. The second one was a test of time or patience. That was uh, last Wednesday. Today... The test that one of the tests that every Christian must face is the test of our motives. Some of us are going to be, I, I, I. I hope you put on your uh, your boots today because um, I think the Holy Spirit's going to do some stomping today on our toes. John chapter three, and we're going to be reading from verse twenty-five to thirty. John chapter 3, verses 25 through 30. When you have it, say amen. Amen. Okay. John 3, 25 through 30, and it reads like this. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, The man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how I plainly told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Let's pray. Lord, I I ask that your word would go forth today, that it would do a surgery on every one of our lives, that we would be cleansed tonight, that, we, that our motives would be revealed and even magnified so that we can see them for what they are and how we need to have pure motives before you. Bless your word tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat tonight. I don't know how many of you keep up with the news, but there has been a recent news story on Sarah uh, York, the Duchess of Windsor. Uh, She was married to Prince Andrew. How many of you are familiar with the news story? Um, If you're not familiar, what happened is that a journalist tricked her into trying uh, to manipulate her into meeting Prince Andrew. And what he did is he did this interview with her, met her in a hotel room, and told her that, you know, he had something that he wanted to talk to Prince Andrew about, and could she connect them? And she said, sure, for half a million pounds. Half a million pounds is a million dollars. Their their, their, uh, pound is double ours. And... So he said, Okay. So they met again. And in that meeting, it came out that he brought the million dollars or the five hundred pounds with him. Had it in his suitcase and they were just talking and talking and, and she was saying, Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna connect you, I'm gonna introduce you and, and and I'll be there and you know, we'll be in the conversation. And what she was doing is that she was setting up her ex husband to get involved in something. Well, what happened is the guy turned out to be a journalist, and he exposed her to the whole world as a woman who could be bought, as a woman who had no convictions when it came to connecting her ex-husband to somebody she didn't even know. She became a woman who began to see the spiraling down effect of someone who had impure motives. Her motives were for money. She was desperate. She is in bankruptcy. She's ready to claim bankruptcy. And you would think that a woman who was of nobility, and she had a name, that she would not be in this position. But she became desperate. And when we become desperate, when we become desperate in our lives, we can make some bad decisions. And that's what this message is about today, our motives. Because whatever is in our heart is going to come out in our decision making. Whatever motives are in our heart will be revealed through the decisions that we make. So today, we're going to explore the test of our motives. Why do we fast? Why do we pray? Why do we give? Why do we even sacrifice? What are the motives for why we do what we do? Are any of the things that we do to seek the glory of men, to get a pat on the back, to say, good job? It reveals our motives. Are we fasting to be seen so that, you know, we walk around like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired and I'm so hungry Oh, you want to go out to eat? Oh, no, I'm fasting. I can't go. I'm fasting. Poor me. (laughs) Poor me. To the glory of who? Because that's how we can get to be like the Pharisees. When we want to be noticed for what we're doing. When we want to be noticed for what we're not doing. The motive test happens when God exposes us to the powers that influence our decision making process. For instance, if we're fasting, all of a sudden, I don't know how many of you have, this has ever happened, but when you are fasting, somebody that you don't never even talk to, all of a sudden, they come up, hey, you wanna go out to eat? I'll pay. How many times has that happened to you? Yeah. Happened a lot to me. So, like, why now? Why not tomorrow? Why not next week? It happens on that day. When you say, okay, well, you know what? um, I'm going to give up. I'm going to fast from TV. And then all of a sudden, your favorite movie is coming out. The one that you've been waiting for for a long time. There it is. Or, you know, more than that, what about an increase in your paycheck? But in order to get that Extra money, you have to work on Sundays. And all of those things will come at you, that the powers that will influence your behavior. Your motive test will reveal your inner intentions, your inner thoughts, your inner values, your inner priorities. And that will reveal what kind of decision we make. Should we or shouldn't we? I mean, if you met this person, oh my gosh. The person that you've been waiting for. This is the right guy. This is the right girl. And they're perfect. They're absolutely perfect. In every way. Except one. They don't know God as their personal savior. But they're perfect. And you're willing to lower your convictions to get what you want. The powers will reveal your inner intentions, your inner motives, your inner thoughts, your inner values, and your inner priorities. Sometimes we are tested through little things like income tax. Oh, let's just throw in another dependent. Oh, let's just throw in the cat and the dog and the neighbor. and Let's just say that our child is not yet 18. Let's just say they're 17. Let's say they're They're doing this, or they're, and we have opportunities every single day to lie, to cheat, to manipulate, to not say the whole truth, to just say part of the truth. And every time we succumb, every time we reveal the decision, we also reveal our true motives. In the motives test, We discover whether we are doing something for our own good, for our own pleasure, for our own wants, for our own desires, or for the glory of God. That's what every decision we make focuses on. One of those two. The decision that we make, are you getting the glory? Are you getting the benefit? Or is he? The motive test exposes the sinful and evil drives that are hidden deep beneath our heart. See, when Lucifer was in heaven, and the Bible tells us that he was an archangel, the most beautiful angel that God had ever created. He was created with music. He had every single part of his body musically made. He had the bass. He had the strings. He had everything in here because he was the worship leader when he was in heaven. He would lead the angels in worship. And the Bible says that he led all those thousands of angels. And who would think that this worship leader that was leading all the thousands of angels to worship God would have pride in his heart? An angel that was created by God that lived in heaven had developed pride in his heart. Lucifer fell because he wanted the throne of God. He wanted to be worshipped. He didn't want the creator there. He wanted to be there. And because he wanted to be there, the intents of his heart were exposed. In the Bible, it talks about Korah. He wanted to be the leader of the people of Israel. Balaam, he wanted the riches of Balak. Demas. Paul says, has loved the things of the world. He left Paul's side to work with him because he loved the things of the world. Not the world. He loved the things that the world offered him. The Pharisees loved the praises of men more than they loved the praises of God. We can do the right things for the wrong reasons. The right things for the wrong reasons. You know, there are people who get into ministry not because they care about people. We have leaders, not, I'm not going to say in this church, but we do have leaders in ministry all over the world who get into ministry not because they care about people, but because they care about titles and they care about positions and they care about paychecks. See, paychecks don't happen in our church, so, yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, we can't go there. But there are people, there are pastors, there are executive pastors, there are people in positions who get there because they want the title, they want the position. They do it for the wrong reasons, not because they care about people, but because they want people to acknowledge them. They want the pat on the back. Philippians one fifteen says, that Paul said, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Paul said that there were those who preached the gospel out of envy. They preached it out of rivalry. I seen with my own eyes and my own ears, I saw two preachers back to back. And one preacher came and he preached this message, And then the next preacher came and he preached exactly the opposite of what the first preacher preached. Exactly the opposite. And he even used words that the first preacher said. And you know, you may have heard somebody say blah, 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 blah. I'm here to tell you that's not true. There was a spirit of rivalry going on behind the pulpit. There are people who come and they have wrong motives and it gets revealed. Can you imagine preaching the gospel out of envy and rivalry? Can you imagine people coming to say, I came to bring you a message of peace, I come to bring you a message of love, and all they preach is envy and rivalry. Well, that church down the block, this happens, and that church down, and all they preach is ugliness, and all they preach is is jealousy and all they preach is envy it happens why do wrong motives occur they occur because a person puts their own needs first rather than the purposes of god they become more important than what god wants to do in their life another reason why wrong motives occur is because a person puts their own needs first before the needs of people. People always, always have to be the reason why we're doing what we're doing, because if people are not the reason, then we're doing it for the wrong reason. You know, I was reading the other day, and and I had uh, lunch with uh, Nikki Cruz and his wife Gloria, and w- we were talking. Gloria was shopping, and Nikki and I were talking, and I said, "You know, Nikki, I read the other day that." this man was saying that Jesus did not enjoy discipling. He did not enjoy healing. He did not enjoy preaching the gospel. He did not enjoy going from town to town to town. He did not enjoy doing any of that. And Nikki goes, he's right. And I said, I know. I was so shocked because I was like, I, was, I felt like this is blasphemy. What do you mean Jesus didn't enjoy healing? He didn't enjoy discipling. He didn't enjoy mentoring. He didn't enjoy any of the things. What, what do you mean he didn't until I got to the last paragraph? He said he didn't enjoy the work. He loved the people. That's why he did what he did. That's why he was surrounded by people and he loved them. That's why he was able to continue to do the healings and continue to uh, fellowship and bring the gospel in different ways. That's why he was able to disciple these men because he cared about the people. His motives were pure. He didn't care about all the things that the people wanted to do. They wanted to make him king. They wanted to just do all of these great things and he says, no, 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 no. That, that's, that's not what I came for. I came to seek and to save those who were lost. And when we begin to lose those motives, when we begin to get focused on other things rather than people, we're going to lose the right motive that God called us to have. Sometimes with the wrong motives, we can desire to be the center of attention, even if it means somebody else gets kicked to the curb. You ever been, a, you know, uh, I was at a, um, a hot dog place the other day. And there was a whole group of young girls in front of me, in front of me and, and this pastor's wife. And we were standing in line waiting for, we had to order a hot dog. This is one of those special places. I don't eat hot dogs, but at this place I do. So we were standing there. And have you ever been around a whole bunch of girls that were just really wanted attention and who really laughed like so fake? Girls know what I'm talking about. Guys, you have no idea. You go for the laugh. But girls know what I'm talking about, right? They're just like so fake. It's like I wanted to tell her, you know, come on. Stop. You know, it was like so forced. Just like a real giddy kind of a a laugh. Because there were a lot of young guys there too. So they were young and the guys were young. And they were putting on this big old act. And they all wanted to be the center of attention even if it meant that somebody else wasn't. And there was a girl that she was just real quiet. She was very homely. All the other girls were not, but she wasn't. She was just real quiet, didn't say anything. And these girls were willing to be the center of attention at the expense of their friend because they they were like pushed her to the curb. When we begin to have self-ambition, when we begin to want influence, when we begin to want title, when we begin to want power, when we begin to want wealth, our motives become impure. Some of us have dreams of being known, of being seen, of being admired by many. But there's problems that come with wrong motives. These are the problems. Problems are is that we begin to manipulate people for our own advantage. When we have wrong motives, we can manipulate people. And you know what? women are good at this women i'm talking to you women are good at this women know how to manipulate circumstances from way back starting with eve going on to sarah i mean you have a whole bunch of women that know how to manipulate and unfortunately that still stays today it's still here today when we have wrong motives we begin to manipulate our spouses. We begin to manipulate our children. We can even manipulate our friends for our own advantage when we have wrong motives. Another, reason, another problem with the wrong motive is that we begin to mistreat people for our own advantage. And, you know, if you go on YouTube or it's hit the news of how many uh, young girls are getting into fights and they put it on YouTube. It's filmed. They just decide, okay, well, let's just beat up that one. And they just go and they just start beating her up just so that they could have the advantage of being on YouTube, where they can get a little famous, where everybody gets to know their name in school. Guess what they did? You seen all that on the news? You seen it on YouTube? They mistreat people for their own advantage, like, you know what, I could beat this one up. And they do. We a problem with the wrong motive is that we steal the glory that belongs to God. God says, I want them to look at you and your works and glorify me in heaven, not look at your works and glorify you. Sometimes we tend to listen to everything good that's all about us, and then we, you know, we begin to um, believe our own headlines, we begin to believe that we are as good as people say we are. <laughs> We're never that good. We are not that good. But when we begin to believe everything that people tell us, oh, man, we could walk. We don't even have enough aisle space for our heads. It's like be too big. Like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know what I'm doing? And we begin to walk around thinking that the glory belongs to us whereas it belongs to God. But there's another problem with wrong motives is that we can steal the glory that belongs to other people. We can take the attention <coughs> off of somebody else. For instance, we can, you know, we can say, like, whoever put up these flags, they say, oh, I like the way that they put up these flags. Now, all you did is come in and say, maybe we should switch that one with that one. That's all you did. And so somebody comes in and goes, wow, I like, I like the way they did the flags. You know, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, you did that? Well, yeah, you know, I helped direct. You did one thing, but you want to take glory for the whole thing. Sometimes that happens at jobs. You want to take the glory for what's taking place at your job. And you only had that much to do with it, but you want to take all the glory Wrong motives. We have a, a, a problem with the wrong motive when we're selfish in our heart. In our heart. We limit our willingness to serve or sacrifice. There are some people who they're on the schedule to either serve as an usher or to serve in security or to serve in children's church. And they're on the schedule. But when we have wrong motives, we come in and we say, oh, pfft. Can't do it today because I just don't feel like it. Or I didn't come dressed to work with kids. Or I need the service more than I need to work with kids. And we have all these excuses. I think if I called Gina up here, she could give you a book. She could give you a list of the 101 ways to say no to Children's Church. Some of you have made them up. We limit our willingness to serve or sacrifice because we only want to serve where it's going to be noticed. We only want to serve when it's going to be an advantage to us. And those are impure motives. There are people who, are, who look willing. I mean, you really look willing, but you still have wrong motives because we're willing to give. We're willing to put our finances in the offering as long as God repays us. For our giving we're willing okay but wheres where's my kickback <laughs> it's been two days I just put in five dollars where's my kickback I mean you said you were gonna give it back to me okay I'm waiting we're willing wrong motives we are all willing to serve as long as people notice us as long as people give us praise there is no praise when it comes to working in security there is no praise when it comes to doing hospitality there is no praise when it comes to working with children there is no praise when it comes to cleaning the church there is no praise to go out in the middle of the day and evangelize there is no praise at doing things that are behind the scenes and that's why there's a lot of people that don't want to do that they want to do whatever is going to be noticed they want to do whatever somebody's going to admire and say wow did you do that <coughs> Yeah, shucks. (laughs) And you get all false false humility. All false humility. People are willing to sacrifice as long as they have an advantage in the sacrifice. Willing to worship. Sometimes we're willing to, you know, there's people who don't come for worship. And you know why? You don't come for worship. You come late continually, and you miss worship because you haven't felt anything in worship. You think that I'm only going to worship if I feel something, and if I don't feel anything, I'm not going to worship. So some of you don't come to worship purposefully, like you know exactly what time worship finishes. Oh, okay, then I'm going to go right now, because you're uncomfortable. You don't know what it is to raise your hands. You don't know what it is to glorify God. You don't know what it is to give somebody else the glory because your motives have become impure. You haven't given God the glory in a long time. You haven't made it to church on time in a long time. If you don't feel it, you don't want to worship. That's an impure motive. Improper motives cause us to compromise the values that are supposed to be guiding us. Improper motives cause us to be separated from God's presence. When we don't have the right motives for coming to church, we're separated from God's presence. We wonder why we walk out the same way we walk in. Some people walk in mad and they're here. And they hear the worship, and they hear the word, and they walk out the same way they walked in. No difference. And you're wondering, man, it's this church. I'm not getting fed. No, it's the motives. Improper motives cause us to be separated from God's presence. Improper motives cause us to be separated from God's favor. We're wondering, how come we're not getting blessed? They're getting blessed. She's getting blessed, he's getting blessed. What about me? What about me? And we go to God and say, Well, look at what you did for her and look at what you did for him. Anybody ever have any kids that do that? How come she gets more food than me? How come her shoes cost more than mine? How come, and we, we the list can go on when you have kids, but we do the exact same thing when we're adults. God, how come you blessed her? Why did you bless him? We have improper motives. And then we find ourselves separated from the favor of God and wonder what is happening. Improper motives cause us to be less than what we could be because we don't reach our full potential. We have impure motives, so we can't keep following the Lord on the path that he has designed because our motives are trying to get everybody's attention to what we're doing. Improper motives will cause us to have success, but it'll always be temporary. It won't be the long term. It'll just be temporary. Temporary. Have you ever heard those 15 minutes of fame? You get five. That's all you get. Because you're trying to accomplish and do something in your own strength where God's not getting the glory. And improper motives can actually cause us to be lost. There are people who don't get what they want, and so they like, forget this. And they, they leave. They not only leave the church, but they leave the Lord because they don't get what they want. And ultimately, it causes us to be lost. So, what are the advantages of having right motives? The advantages are that God is glorified by our actions. He is glorified by what we do. God's purposes are fulfilled in our life. Other people are blessed by what we do. And our heart and our spirit are pure and uncontaminated. So what are the motives that we need to have? We need to have a motivation to be pure in heart. Some of us really need to be pure in heart. When it comes to our jobs, when it comes to the places where we go to school, when it comes to the the people that we surround ourselves with, sometimes even our family, our motives need to be pure because they're going to be tested. We need to be motivated by a desire to be obedient, motivated by a desire to develop an attitude of a servant can you pick up that paper? Sure, Like instead of saying, well, what about you? Why can't you do it? What's wrong with you? Did your hand break? In our head, we think like that. We, sometimes we don't say it, but we think it. And if we think it, it's the abundance of our heart. Our motives are wrong. We need to be motivated by a desire to glorify God. See, John the Baptist, the scripture that we read, he was glad just to hear the voice of the bridegroom. He just wanted to hear the voice. He spent his whole life pointing others to Christ. He spent his whole life saying, don't look at me. I'm not the one. And he would back off. And he would say, you know what, don't, don't get all up into me. It's not me. I'm only being the forerunner. I'm only being the trailblazer because somebody's coming after me that is going to be so great and so mighty that I can't even tie the sandals on his feet. He didn't want any glory. His motives were pure, but he had people following him. He had men who were willing to do whatever he said. And when they came to him and said, you know that guy... The one that you said was the Messiah, he's over there on the other side and he's baptizing people and now they're all going to him. What about us? And John said, I told you I wasn't the Messiah. I told you I'm not the one. I'm just the best man. I'm not the bridegroom. I was just happy just to hear his voice. I'm happy to just be in his presence. Don't get lost in following me. Follow him. John was willing to lose so that Christ could gain. And, you know, when we look at John's life, the way he died, he died alone. And he died under the mistreatment of jealousy because he spoke the truth. And so somebody lied, and he got beheaded. But John is called the greatest prophet by our Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest prophet, the greatest man ever born of a woman. That's who John was. Every single one of us are going to go through motive tests every single day. You were tested before you came here. You're tested every time you talk to people. You're tested when you're asked to be obedient. You're tested with your spouse. You're tested with your children. You are tested every single day. And your decisions of what to say and how to think and how to act reveals our hearts and exposes our motives. What has God been exposing in your life lately? Have You picked up an attitude? Have you picked up, you know, uh, an impure motive? I'll just go along with this until I don't feel like it. Sometimes it takes a while, but those of you who are in the home, your motives are discovered. It may take a while. may not happen overnight, but your motives always come out. Always come out. I mean, I've never lived in the home, but my husband was there 26 and a half months. He told me every story you think that you're pulling a new game you're pulling an old one same wrong motive but an old game just an old one you think you can hide the candy bars underneath your bed you think you can get up in the middle of the night You, you know all those little games reveal your motives but the same thing with the people in the church when you're asked to serve and your impure motive comes out like i don't feel like it i don't want to You can't make me. You don't pay me. You don't do this. And and we have an attitude. Our motives are being exposed. I don't know what God is doing in your life. I know what God is doing in my life when it comes to my motives. And I check myself. I check myself. I don't want my motives to cause me to go down a path of envy or jealousy or rivalry or anything that would not give God glory. Everything that we do has to be able to say, God, you get the glory in this, not me, not me. So I want you to bow your heads tonight. And I want you to think right now, maybe it's in your relationships with your spouse, with your co-workers, with your children, Maybe it's a relationship here with another member in the church. Maybe it's in your finances. God will always test your motives. What has God been testing in you? What does he want to purify in you? Because you keep going through the same test and you're wondering, why do I have to keep on going through this? He tests you in your attitude. He tests you when you're negative. He tests you to reveal your heart, your true motive. And anything that is not pure, God doesn't want a part of. He wants a part of you, but he wants your motives to be pure. And if you're here tonight, you say, you know what? I need prayer for my motives. I, I see them for what they are. And I know that they need to be a little bit more cleaner. Raise your hand. I'd like to pray with you this tonight. God bless you. God bless you. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Almost all of you raised your hand. And the only place to get purification is here at the altar. So as Louise plays, I'm going to open up the altars for you to come tonight and to ask the Lord to purify and cleanse any motive that you might have and let him do the work that he needs to do. You're welcome to come now. And not my will